0: Hello, and welcome to the Magic Story Podcast, where we go behind the scenes with the people who create the worlds and characters of Magic the Gathering. I'm Blake Rasmussen, and today we're here to talk with Mel Lee, who was part of the Kaladesh creative team. We'll talk uh, about the inspirations that uh, helped create the world from the worlds of science and fantasy. We'll explore the inventor's fair talk about what makes the Renegades tick and uh, what mirrors Rashmi's experiences in the consulate with that of real-life research scientists. Welcome, Mel. Hi. How you doing?
1: Oh, doing pretty well, thanks.
0: Good. Are you enjoying the uh, rollout of the world of Kaladesh?
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, my friends and I drafted last weekend. It was a whole bunch of fun.
0: Yeah. When you, when you play, do you ever do the story in your mind with the cards <laughs> you pick?
1: Yeah, it's actually um, I mean more often than not I find sometimes my story desires are in direct conflict with my <laughs> desires as a player um, Yeah, so that's that's always a, a challenge
0: Well, let's um, let's start by talking about the consulate uh, As we know from Chandra's origin story there was trouble on the plane even before Tezzeret the big bad guy of, of this arc showed up Uh Tell us a little bit about what the consulate wants and how they aim to achieve it.
1: Yeah, so um, about 60 years ago from when we joined the Planeswalkers today, uh, Kaladesh underwent uh, what they called the Great Ether Boom. And this is when um, the great etherologist Avadi Fia discovered how to refine ether to make these large amounts of clean energy um, available to the public. So during this time, the consulate government wanted to own these means of ether refinement and production. And they decided that they wanted to be the sole owners of the facilities that collect, transport, store, and distribute ether. Um, So when they did this, they tried to make sure to place all of these extensive regulations to ensure that the ether was accessible um, to everybody, but while uh, preserving public safety. So at the same time that they're building in all these rules, there's a growing number of these people who called themselves renegades who believed that ether should actually be freely available, that it shouldn't really come with a lot of regulations, and that the government shouldn't be allowed to ration it and control it. And so over time, they were kind of they were punished for demonstrating this opinion. At first it was kind of subtle, um, and then uh, more and more, ethers started getting cut off, um, in particular to this renegade neighborhood called the Weldfast. Um, so soon afterwards, the renegades felt that they were forced to turn to ether smuggling in order to return the resources to that targeted area. And this was really the environment that Chandra's parents, uh, Pia and Kiran Nalar, grew up in. Um, so a lot of this happened um, mostly due to um, the leadership of uh, a guy named Kambal, who is the Consul of Allocation, um, who appeared in uh, the Kaladesh main set. And now, he has zero problems with the underhanded exchanges of consulate and ether money in order to skew this distribution of government ether. And this serves his purposes and the purposes of the wealthy. And really, wealth has really never been something that the renegades themselves care for. So that puts them at a disadvantage. So fast forward to Tezzeret's arrival, and things just escalate really quickly. So Tezzeret convinced the consulate to divert even more of this ether supply away from the renegades and the Weldfast and into his own experiments. So now the reins of power are firmly within the hands of someone who has a very selfish agenda, and the consulate's relationship to the interests of its people really break down.
0: Okay, so it sounds like it started out essentially as a government management program of resources, <laughs> which is generally pretty benign and then escalated into something else
1: right um, really the the consulate is trying its best to care for the people that it 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 believes that it serves and the trouble really comes when the consulate um, the power of the consulate is controlled by someone else.
0: okay so, A lot of uh, uh, the initial steps, obviously not the revolution or or the planeswalkers and stuff, but a lot of the uh, initial stuff came from real-world inspirations. Uh, What kind of things did your team look at when you were creating the consulate and uh, bringing up the Inventors Fair?
1: Yeah, um, so a a thing that was really big on our minds is that um, we, we live in this really fascinating age where there's all of this information freely available on the internet. And so there's this whole like um, DIY or, or do-it-yourself kind of attitude. And there's some really amazing projects that people every day at home can do that we never would have thought possible a few years ago. And then just as individuals, we can share all of these experiences and we can learn from others on how to improve, you know, our, our cooking or gaming skills, uh, building stuff. Um, and a lot of people have referred to this as the maker movement, so we really wanted to express this in our own uh, new setting. Um, and also the, the feeling of being an inventor is the way that a lot of us in creative talk about magic and the way that we feel about magic and making decks. So uh, we, we actually have um, these commander days where we all play together on Fridays and we're huge commander players. And there's really nothing like putting the pieces to your crazy commander deck, whether it's like this... this you know, crazy mill deck James, or this <laughs> land recycling deck Ari, or this like this machine that pumps out giant monsters Doug, um, and you put this machine together and you just watch it run, and it's so much fun to do that. And you know, you you're seeing everything fall into place. Um, and, you know, when we, when we talk about things like tuning decks, you know, I really think about it like tuning a real-life machine. And we wanted a world where we could really capture this thrill of creating something and sharing it with other people. And to me, that's so much of what magic's about. Um, so, so yeah, we, we really wanted to uh, bring out those kinds of feelings.
0: Okay. What, what's your commander?
1: Uh, my commander, uh, I like to call it du- uh, Grenzo's Dungeon Pals. Okay. Um, so I really like playing uh, Grenzo Dungeon Warden, and I-, I guess it should actually be called Grenzo's Value Dungeon Pals, um, because really all he does is he likes to go randomly search through his dungeon to find friends with power of three or less. Normally. <laughs> okay.
0: You guys play every Friday?
1: Uh, we try to. We try to. It's, it's one of the things I look forward to every week.
0: Nice. Um, so let's get back to the Inventors Fair. Did you yourself participate in any science fairs or anything like that when you were younger?
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, I, I was actually a professional scientist slash engineer for about nine years before I started wizarding. Um, and, and I actually went to a bunch of science conferences during that time. And um, it, it used to crack me up how I'd spend um, a weekend at PAX and I'd be like in costume, I'd be you know fanning out, and then like a month later I'd show up at the same venue, but I'd be talking about like blood diagnostics <laughs> with professional scientists. And it's it's so funny to me because there's so much like regular gaming conventions, it's so like you get the same awkward feels going up to some fancy scientist as I would like going up and seeing like a pro player or you know some magic celebrity like. Maria and Megan or like Reed Duke or Melissa de Tora. P.S. that one's really awkward because I work with her and every time <laughs> I see her, I'm like, oh my God, it's actually Melissa de Tora. But anyway, um, <laughs> there's also like um, you know panels and exhibit floors and that kind of thing, only instead of cards and comics, you see like, uh, you know, like a coronary stent or some like pumping system. And you know, come to think of it, it, it is kind of like the lower fantasy version of the inventor's fair. You know, you're like mm-hmm. going around and seeing people's amazing inventions. Um, and I guess like uh as as far as like a fair or something like with the diagnostic stuff, I used to work a lot with microcontrollers so there's this big um, convention for the maker movement and it's called the Maker Fair and uh, they celebrate a lot of DIY makers um, and uh so these people uh, who make Arduino, which is this um, consumer-based microcontroller, a lot of cosplayers actually use it to make their lights work. Okay, um, They invited me over, and so I, I uh, made a motorized uh, interactive costume thing for them. So I got to go to a couple maker fairs, uh, one, one of them in Rome, which was pretty cool. Very
0: cool. <laughs> yeah. So when when the creative team was uh, talking about the Inventors Fair and, and sculpting what that looked like, did they lean on you a lot for uh, your experiences in those types of things?
1: It was it was surreal, actually, because I remember that was um, one of the first worlds that I worked on, and it was in progress when I got there. And so they were giving me the top line. They were like, it's crazy engineer world. And I'm like, no, you guys are pranking me. Like, <laughs> this feels so like dead on. But yeah, I, I, I had a great time just... You know, answering questions and stuff, and um, yeah, it was a lot of fun.
0: Okay, one of the um, one of the characters to come out of uh, Kaladesh that's become kind of a fan favorite uh, is is Dovinbon, especially for how he represents the consulate yeah. and how he's he seems kind of, I guess, if you, if you put him on the the lawful neutral good scale, <laughs> he se- he seems kind of lawful neutral, but he ends up as a bad guy sometimes. So. Uh, what can you tell us about how the creative team concepted him and how he came to be?
1: Yeah, he's actually one of my favorite types of villains, and you know, there's there's all kinds of story villains, and certainly magic likes variety in both its villains and its heroes. And Dovin is a great, you know, single person representation of the consulate itself. He's not really by nature a bad guy, just like you said. In fact, he has some really admirable qualities. He he cares really deeply for the city of Garropor, and he. You know, he personally just wants everything to move smoothly. He's a man of principle and really considerable technical skills. And his one, you know, flaw, if you could call it that, is just that he dislikes disorder. He doesn't like revolution either. So he's much more likely to want to stick with whoever holds the greatest authority at the time. You know, in the the color pie sense, he's very orderly and hierarchical. Um, So, you know, he's much more likely to uh, follow people like Tezzeret, who are these figures of authority, and he's the kind of character that that I personally love a lot, and I think our whole team loves to create, because his, you know, villainy, quote-unquote, springs from this, like, um, morally ambiguous situation that readers can really identify with. Dovin is powerful and gifted, and, but you know, his, his flaw, if anything, is that, is that he's also not the type to raise a fuss. And I think we've all been in that situation before and can sort of identify with the way that he feels.
0: Mm-hmm. How, um, how early in the process are our characters like Dovin created?
1: Um, Dovin came along pretty early in the set. Um, we really liked the, him as representing a lot of the qualities of the consulate himself. Um, we, we figured he was probably a Vidalcan to go with his power suite as this, you know, very discerning ivory tower academic type. Um, as, a, as a side note, Vidalkin on Kaladesh uniquely have six fingers because um, we figured that in an inventor world, um, it's a big deal to have superior dexterity like that. Now, we really liked this idea during world building, but it, you know, did cause us some headaches when we were doing art review and mm-hmm. we we're going through and counting the fingers <laughs> on each of the art pieces.
0: Okay, so characters like Dovin, the rest of Kaladesh. At first blush, everything seems kind of great. It's a, it's a big, shiny, happy world that, on the surface, is is there's cool inventions, there's thopters flying around. It's all really, really neat and and fantastic looking. Did you guys struggle at all painting the consulate as the bad guys?
1: I mean, I think you're right. It is a really great place, and it's full of amazing things. But, you know, just like Dovin, um, I don't think that the consulate is really bad, per se. But I think it does show that these, you know, authoritarian shades that can be really unpleasant for people who don't want to conform to its rules. So you can think of the consulate as kind of this overprotective parent. And the danger is really when it might drift to represent its own interests and not the interests of the people that it's supposed to be there to protect and represent.
0: Mm-hmm. And and I thought that was really well done um, when we had this story, and I'm drawing a blank on on the name of it. But where Gideon struggled with, why are we there? Why are we fighting the government? Why, why are we doing this? We're not necessarily help. We're we're helping some people, but we're hurting others. And he he struggled with, they're not that bad. Why are we doing this?
1: Yeah, and Gideon in particular is one of those guys who really values. Um, you know, um, uh, systems of order and safety and a lot of the same things that the consulate believes in. So it is a struggle for him to figure out when is it right to speak out against things that you perceive as being wrong.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, and there were some other uh, characters that came out of the consulate and and turned a little bit, including Rashmi, who's who's a pretty central character to come out of the consulate, who ultimately joins the renegades. Um, can you talk a little bit about where the inspiration for Rashmi came from and her, her life in the consulate?
1: <laughs> yeah, I think uh, Rashmi really represents well um, the, I guess, like a real world career scientist. So, um, Kimberly uh, Krainus wrote a lot of her character in our fiction and Kimberly herself was a professional scientist for a while. So I think she, um, she understands a, a lot of the struggle between um, do I want to have all the funding to do all the things um, I've ever wanted but not actually get to study the thing that I want. Um, so I think you know uh, we uh, we feel pretty deeply Rashmi's struggle between her passion for her work and the promise of this career where she can have all the tools and resources that she wants but with a lot less freedom and I think regardless of whether or not you know you you work in science I think the struggle between money versus happiness is pretty real wherever you're working at
0: yep absolutely Um, Rashmi isn't kind of what we think of when we think of a renegade. She's she's a scientist where we got a lot of the renegades where when we first saw them, they were smashing things and stealing things. And of course, our first introduction to them was was Chandra's parents. Um, can you talk a little bit about how the renegades were initially concepted? And uh, kind of like we asked about the consulate, what, uh, what did they want and how did they aim to achieve it?
1: Yeah, and I don't even think Rashmi herself th- Thinks of herself as a, a renegade. I think she's a little bit too, you know, going back to the D and D references. She's a little too lawful good mm-hmm. for her to, for her, for us to really call her a renegade. Um, so I think that title is a lot more apt for people like her friend Sahili, and these are people who don't think as much about the theory of things like Rashmi does. Sahili just likes to invent and build because it feels right, and and those are the kinds of people that the renegades are. They're less about the thinking part and more about the the. Thrill of creating and um, you know the renegades were a chance for us to really show off a side of red that we don't often see and that's this compassionate empathic side where they all care for each other and really what they want to do is to create art and create these welcoming environments for each other and to, to care for one another and create a community, and you know that that was a really fun side uh, for us to show of red, which is typically shown as you know very mm-hmm. destructive or warlike. And uh, for us, it was um, a really interesting angle to to spin renegades in.
0: Yeah, I, I think back on uh, Doug Byer. Um, I think I believe this was his, his preview card was cathartic reunion.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: And uh, he talked a lot about making red. Um, Red has always been about emotion, but it's typically been portrayed as angry or irrational or uh, or, or just um, acting outside its own head, where there are a whole spectrum of emotions that it can embrace.
1: Yeah, and, and we really tried to um, highlight that within the stories of the block as well. Um, The story of Kaladesh is a much more personal story than, for example, the Eldrazi arc, which is a lot about war and greater conflicts. But a lot of Kaladesh centers around the way that Chandra feels about her home and her family and um, this this, uh, city that she's kind of at odds with. And, you know, what do you do when you're not allowed your freedom? So a lot more like abstract personal questions like that um, versus like monster punching. And we still, uh-huh. have, we still have face punching, that's for sure. Uh,
0: you can't have a magic story without some face
1: punching. <laughs> it is fun to write the action stories, and, yeah. and I'm sure Doug will attest to that. <laughs> yeah.
0: um, now, I'm, I'm trying to picture in, in my head, you're, you're talking about all these traits of these characters and, and thinking them as lawful good, lawful neutral, or, or what their aims are how how do you come up with this stuff so when you when you come up with real world examples for inspiration how do you, how does the team go about utilizing them i'm i'm in my head i'm picturing a a giant whiteboard with evil science fair scribbled ah. on it is is that i mean is that close or?
1: Um, so all right okay um so this trope of evil scientists just Kills me. Okay. Um, so, this is something that we tried really hard to dispel um, in this block. I mean, personally, it's just one of my pet peeves because you watch these movies and, um, you know, some James Bond movie or something, mm-hmm. and the villain is like this, this, uh, you know, this evil scientist trope where he, you know, just wants to create biohazardous weapons or some kind of, yeah, it's usually some kind of Planet Smash yeah, weapon. Yeah, of course. Um, but, uh, you know, everybody, uh, it, if anything, the people of Kaladesh on the other hand just really love making stuff and they just want to understand the world around him and these are very human desires and we wanted to make sure that that wasn't portrayed in a way that was negative, which I, which I feel like a lot of that evil scientist trope um, deals with. Um, and, and I think the evil, the evil part in Kaladesh lies more with those who are allowed to make the decisions. Um, for people on how they get to use their inventions. Um, you know, it's, it's people like Tezzeret who are kind of behind the scenes and saying like, hey, you need to build this thing for me or I won't give you, um, you know, the ether that you need to, to make your part of the city survive. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's questions like that. And I, frankly, I, I hope that, or I, I like to think of Kaladesh as kind of this refutation of the evil scientist trope.
0: Okay, so it do, you do bake in a lot of the the feelings you the creative team has towards these sorts of things, and you, and you want to change um, how people view them.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's actually um, one of the really valuable points of getting to, to work on a creative team and to work on, uh, you know, expanding people's idea of what fantasy means mm-hmm. um, and just expanding people's idea of, you know, how to interpret the world around them.
0: Okay. Um, now, Kaladesh was your first uh, world that you worked on when you moved here, and you're also very big in the cosplay community, and, and you've been doing cosplay and really cool cosplay for a while. Oh, um, ha- have you have you done any Kaladesh characters?
1: Um, I, I've done a few pieces for Kaladesh, and um, in the past, I, I've made a Tesseract costume before. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know he's not the most morally appealing character, but he's also pretty rad looking, uh-huh. um, and I, I, I do think there's something endearing. Um, about his sort of, like, competitive desire for excellence. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that's a pretty identifiable feature, but, you know, yeah, he's a jerk in the way that he goes about that. I probably wouldn't stab my colleagues and become a murderer for hire, but, you know, his arm is really cool.
0: His arm is really cool. (laughs)
1: Um, oh, yeah, recently I I saw that, um, I think it was Atlas Crafts cosplay who did a a KLD version of Tezzeret. I did a, you know, Tezzeret classic from, Mm -hmm. like, way back in the day. Um, and there's this awesome video going around of him unwrapping, um, a pack of cards. I saw with that claw yeah hand, and it's just so gold. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um yeah, um, I, I see so much of Kaladesh in the cosplay community itself. It's just this idea of regular people who are driven to build these fantastic things, like mm-hmm. to, to try to bring their fantasies to life. And I think that's uh, such a cool and admirable thing about them. And, and you know, that that's me too. I'm just happier making stuff. Um. And I guess like individually for this block, um, I made a Sword of Feast and Famine and a Chandra Gauntlet. Um, I I really liked for this block, the idea of letting a robot make my stuff. So, um, So I used a lot of 3D printing kind of techniques um, and I, the files are available online if anybody wants to kind of like send them to a 3D printing service and make their own. Um, I, I thought that was kind of a neat way to, uh, I guess, like personally <laughs> embody some of what I thought the values of Kaladesh were. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I guess, like, so I, I actually had a few other um, plans for this block. And, you know, cosplay in general is kind of rough because you know half or more than that of your dreams get crushed by you know lack of time or you know Mm -hmm. you ran out of resources or something or whatever and kaladesh in general is just pretty tough to build for because it is just crazy intricate you know we we do that on on purpose because it's like you know fantasy maker stuff and magic schedule is just I mean, other magic cosplayers will agree. It's pretty crazy. So, you know, if you don't get that costume up in the first few weeks, you're kind of hosed because the train of magic, you know, will just plow on without you. Mm-hmm. And if you're a month – if it takes you a month, then, you know, we're we're on to the next thing. And, gosh, it goes really fast. Um, so I had actually um, – Bought a bunch of my parts, prototyped electronics, and started the 3D modeling on um, Scrapper Champion. But then I couldn't get it done in time for the pre-release, and I was just like, oh, my God. So that was um, dreams crushed, and it was was pretty sad.
0: Well, I suppose that's some of the appeal um, of people cosplaying as as planeswalkers, because we know they'll be back.
1: We hope they we, will We be. hope they'll be back. Sorry, Vencer. <laughs> Sorry, Benzer. going to be? Sir. Oh, God. Too soon, man. It's too too soon. always <laughs> going to be too ago. soon. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, that's actually a challenge, too, because, I mean, uh, it it's hard for... It, I, I remember before I was in the building, I didn't know, you know, who was going to be in which block, and it was just mm-hmm. a crazy shot in the dark. I mean, we still have, like, 30 planeswalkers out there, so it's tough. Yep. Struggle is real. Yes, that's true. <laughs>
0: um, so if... And, this is not a spoiler alert, everyone listening. This is this is just me asking Mel if if we were to ever return to Kaladesh, uh, what would you like to see happen?
1: Well, uh, specific to Kaladesh, I would love to see what a consulate renegade coalition government would look like. Hmm. Um, So, we know now that Pia is going to be the new Consul of Allocation, who's the, you know, she's taking the place of the same guy who screwed over a lot of what happened um, to Kaladesh in in the, you know, pre-Chandra years. Um, So you know, I'd love to see how she um, improves the, uh, the, the Consulate. And she's, she herself is a great representation of that, you know, empathic, compassionate side of Red. And you know, she, I think, would bring a lot of the idea of rights of the individual to the consulate, who cares a lot about authority of the state. And you know, Blake, I don't know about you, but you know, R W U sounds like a pretty good color combination for government. You know, it's, it's pretty resonant to what we've got here. Makes sense to me. Um, so uh, you know, and in general, though, I, I'm a fan of going to new places and seeing new things. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they fit into reimaginings of settings like like what you're describing. You know, maybe we'd go back to Kaladesh someday. Uh, or maybe we'd go someplace new, and you know, sometimes that gives us an opportunity to expand what people think of when they think fantasy. Um, one of the things I like about magic a lot is that it doesn't always have to be swords and sorcery, even though there's a pretty healthy dose of that. Mm-hmm. And then I guess like the, the final thing I'll say about Kaladesh is that um, I think that the, it, it presented, for me at least, a really interesting crossover between science and fantasy and i think that's a line that is thinner than we than we imagine sometimes So um, I used to work in a place, um, in in a lab that was headed by a guy who had this amazing sci-fi novel collection that he kept in his office, and it wrapped, you know, all the way around the office and back again. And I remember, you know, a lot of us were inspired by the science and magic that we saw in media, you know, whether it was Star Trek's medical bays or from the sigils from clerics in D&D. And I think in a lot of ways, fantasy helps us, helps, you know, guide us, you know, whether we're whether we're just players or whether we're like technicians in another field it helps guide us towards what's important and exciting and it's about the thrill of what's possible and it's that's something that changes a lot over time so to me it makes a lot of sense for us to keep evolving what we fantasize or dream about Mm -hmm. so i think that having magic keep evolving the worlds that we're going to and keep changing those is actually a pretty important thing
0: to do well before we go um I want to ask you who your favorite character from Kaladesh is? Oh, you can't.
1: You can't ask I, me I to choose from ask. my children. <laughs> oh man! I mean, I I personally empathize the most with Pia. I think because she's so she's so different from what we normally see from Red. And I guess I I like to think of myself as someone who likes to make things and also someone who's who likes to think about feelings mm-hmm. and um, you know community uh, interactions. And uh, for me, I think she embodies so many of the things that I love about magic itself, which is a sense of community, Mm -hmm. like my playgroup, getting to build something, like a deck, and then um, getting to share that thing that I just built with other people.
0: Very cool. Well, thank you very much, Mel, and thanks to the audience for joining us on this week's episode of the Magic Story Podcast. Uh, Next week is Modern Mastering Previews week, so we'll be taking that week off. But we'll return the following week with another episode taking a peek behind the creative curtain. I'm Blake Rasmussen, and we'll see you then.
1: See ya.